Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of The Standard is the Standard. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. With me, as always, my co-host, Lance Williams, hopefully surviving the smoke-filled air of California. Lance, how are you doing this evening? Coughing, walking around with a mask on, but I'm hard as steel. I'm from the north side of Pittsburgh, Manchester to be exact, so we come correct. Yeah, and I hope you and everyone else is staying safe out there. It's pretty frightening stuff when you look at the footage and film and uh, just the pictures that you see from out there. It's just, it's it's frightening. It's, some of the photos look like it's a movie, and yet it's real life. And so we turn our attention now for just a few minutes, hour, I guess, whatever you want to call it, and talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. No bigger news for the Steelers this week than the fact that we spoke on Sunday in a special episode of The Standard is the Standard, and we talked about Will Le'Veon Bell Report, and we've been talking about Will Le'Veon Bell Report now for months, and now it's a definitive. Le'Veon Bell did not report. Le'Veon Bell will not play. And if you listen to Ben Roethlisberger's media availability every Wednesday is when he has his media availability, it was one theme. I wrote an article for the website about this in his comments, and that was, at least we don't have to talk about this anymore. And I felt that that was the general consensus amongst the locker room. Marquise Pouncey, before any reporters even got to his stall today, said, I am not talking about anyone that is not in this locker room right now. So players, I think they just want to nip it in the bud. I think they're done with it. I personally am. I was done with it two months ago. Uh, and so that just shows you how overdone I am with it. But Lance, what were your thoughts when we finally got some finality to this situation? It's a bad divorce. And, you know, it's a relationship that's gone awry. And, you know, the same thing, I echo your sentiments. It's just the finality is good. It's good for both parties. The organization can move on. Le'Veon Bell can move on. He can do what he's going to do. And the Steelers can concentrate on football because they have a very daunting schedule. And there's still a lot of things that they can accomplish this year. And it just makes it easier when they're all focused on the task and they don't have to answer questions about a player that's not on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing, too, is that I guess if I'm trying to predict how this situation is handled from a media standpoint – I feel like this will be the last week that the media is still asking questions about it. Now, I'm sure that there'll be some moron that'll bring it up in Mike Tomlin's press conference next Tuesday. But I think for the majority of the beat writers that are in there every single day, they probably get the gist that this is done. I mean, we've beaten this horse, this dead horse, I don't know how many times since the start of offseason workouts. My goodness. I mean, trust me, as a website editor, you you want this story to be popular because it, it equates to traffic. But after a while, you know, the fans get sick of hearing about it, reading about it, yet you still have to write about it. It's over with Le'Veon Bell's not coming. He's not going to play this year. The question next is, and we'll, we, I wanted to transition right into a true or false. Okay. So uh, we're going to do a special Le'Veon Bell true or false here. Only about three or four statements. And then we're going to go and we're going to, put it behind us, and then we're going to move on and talk about the Jags. So if you don't want to listen to Le'Veon Bell stuff, you can listen to something else for the next five minutes, and then you'll be ready to go. But first true or false statement is 
that the Pittsburgh Steelers will place the transition tag on Le'Veon Bell in the, this offseason. Now, for those that don't know, the transition tag essentially means that they have the right to first refusal, that the Steelers would then get to match any deal that Le'Veon Bell has offered. If they choose not to match it, he would get to leave. The one caveat with the transition tag is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lance, if the Steelers choose not to match the deal and he does leave, they get zero compensation in terms of a compensatory pick. Am I correct in that thinking? You are correct. Let me just go ahead and read it. Let me read it out real quickly, listeners. If a team uses a transition tag, the player receives a one-year deal that is the average of the top 10 salaries of the prior season or 20% raise, whichever is greater. The player can negotiate with other teams, but the original team has brought right of first refusal to match within seven days. If they match the offer, they can keep the player. If they don't match the offer, the offer, excuse me, they will lose the player and receive no compensation such as draft picks. There you have it. So, Lance, true or false, the Steelers will place the transition tag on Lady Unveil this offseason. They will not, so it is true. So false, I guess. False. Yeah. False, they would not they would not put the tag on him. He will be an unrestricted free agent next year because I doubt that they're going to match any contract. And they want to get compensation. So if they don't match the tag, they'll get compensation and this will finally be over with. Right. I, I agree. I think the statement is false based on the fact that, like you said, if Bell gets even close to what he is asking. There's no way the Steelers can match that. And if they're going to lose this guy, they're going to want to get something for him. And that is going to come in a third-round compensatory pick, probably in the 2020 draft. Um, And that's better than nothing. And so if they place the transition tag on him and they don't match it, they get nothing. And he walks still. So it doesn't make much sense to me. I agree. Now, there are some people out there that say, well, why don't they just franchise tag him again? You have to remember that to, you, to franchise tag any player, you have to have that salary cap space available to franchise tag the player. So we all know by now that his franchise tag number will go well over $20 million for one year of service. The Steelers would have to have $20 million in salary cap space, just like they had to have $14.5 million in salary cap space this year. And although they do carry that $14.5 million over to next year's salary cap, that's a ridiculous number, and I don't think the Steelers can do that. Do you agree, Lance? I agree wholeheartedly. They will tag him again. This ship has sailed. They're going to be dating a year. Yeah. Like you said, it was, I think, maybe last year. Uh, you said, you know, it's like a bad marriage. They're, they're together just for the kids, and yeah. it's yes. time. Absolutely. Yeah. You just got to It's done. Look. Before you ask the next question, Jeff, let's just play. Uh, let's just do a mock Mike Tomlin when the media guy is going to ask him about Le'Veon Bell. So just ask me a random question about Le'Veon Bell, and I'm going to give you my Mike Tomlin answer. Okay, so the question would probably be something along the lines of, um, Coach, uh, how did you handle the with the, your team when you did? found out that Le'Veon Bell didn't report. Well, obviously, we're not going to talk about somebody that's not a member of the team. 
obviously. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's going to hit you with an obviously first. Obviously, we're not going to talk about guys that aren't a member of this team. Next question. I'm wondering if he even gives him that much oxygen, to be honest with you. I mean, he might just say, nope, and just move on, or he might just say, nope, and get up and leave. I wouldn't be shocked at either. But no, it, it, I don't know. I, I'm going to be curious next Tuesday, and a lot of it depends on how they play this Sunday, what would happen. But you know, it'll be interesting. But let's go on to the next one. We're still focusing on some Le'Veon Bell-type stuff here. Uh, tr- true or false? that the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, you can count coaching staff, front office, whatever, they are to blame for the Le'Veon Bell situation turning out the way that it did. True or false? They false. I do not think the organization is to blame because if you look at the first contract offer, contract offer would have made him, and this is not going into specific numbers, but it would have made him the highest paid in a national Football League by leaps and bounds over Dante Freeman. From that perspective, the deal was fair. And it comes to a negotiation. It takes both parties to agree. Just be asked for more doesn't mean that the other party is obliged to give them that money. They made him, they increased it the following season there was probably a number that they're not going to pay. And once he brought in the whole criteria of I'm a number two wide and I want to get paid as such along with being the best back, that wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to see anywhere near Antonio Brown money. If he had signed the first deal, and we talked about it a couple years ago, when we, first, when we both said, I think the agent made a mistake. Or I think a mistake was made that this was he would have reset the market on, on the first deal. So I, it's the organization false. Yeah. Okay. Your sound got a little sloppy there, but um, yeah, it, I agree with you. False. I'm not going to blame the Steelers entirely. Um, they do have some blame, but. I think that Le'Veon Bell ultimately had to understand that there was, like you said, Lance, there's at the negotiating table, there's a give and take from both sides. And he has to realize that the Steelers can't just empty their bank account to give him what he wants, because ultimately it's going to jeopardize that whole product that they put on the field every week. So you give Le'Veon Bell the X amount of millions that he wants as a guarantee well, next thing you know, you're not going to be able to afford other players, whether it's a Stefan Tuitt or um, even though he's not playing that well this year, a Chris Boswell or um, Vince Williams, all these players that signed new deals. Um, say what you want about them individually, but the Steelers wouldn't be able to bring those players back. And so now you're looking at jeopardizing the rest of the team because you want to satisfy one. Um, I don't think that that's good at all. I'm, I'm currently reading a book. I'm reviewing a book, actually. It's it's out now. It's Punch Ilkin's book, Inside the Locker Room. It's all about the Steelers. And he talked a lot about um, his time with Chuck Nolan. Chuck Nolan once said that you can't have players that play just for money. You have to have a love for the game. And this whole thing that kind of irks me a little bit, and I kind of felt the same way about Antonio Brown, except he handled his business. It's a little different. Is that some of these guys, it's just about the money. 
Um, it's not about the game of football. It's not about the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's all about uh, notoriety. It's all about being the highest paid at their position. It's all about breaking the bank, resetting the market. I mean, honestly, you could say any number of different things about Le'Veon Bell and other players, not just him, and their attitude towards contract negotiations. But it's not 100% blamed on the Steelers. I don't think in any way, shape, or form. So I agree with you. That is false. So let's go to the next one here. This is a simple one, yet it's not that simple. That is... Oh, the Pittsburgh Steelers can win a Super Bowl without Le'Veon Bell, true or false? True. And the reason I think it's true is because I think the factor that's going to most impact their ability to win a Super Bowl is the performance of their defense. And when we get into the stats section, I have a couple of stats to illustrate that. But I think if they continue to play really good defense, continue to get pressure on the quarterback, the Super Bowl is something that they can win. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely true. If you would have asked me this after week four, I would have said probably false. But we've seen this team change. It's it's amazing. The past five weeks, they're not just barely winning games. Yeah, they had some close encounters. But I'll tell you what, they're the, the way that if I hate saying this because you're talking about intangibles and and that's murky area for me. But they have a a cohesion about them that I haven't seen too much recently. Um, I think you have to go back to like 2014 was the last time I saw a team that just really seemed to gel. The team was a, a really good team together. They worked well together. They seemed like they enjoyed playing football together. The crazy thing was, is when you had those years of, you know, 2016, 2017, that was when Ben Roethlisberger was talking about retiring. Uh, clearly, he wasn't enjoying the game anymore. All that stuff happened, and uh, it seems like it's kind of reverted back, and that's a good thing. Uh, so maybe this youthful exuberance in Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner, who's just out there tearing it up, basically playing with house money, and maybe that's exactly what this team needed. You know, Get rid of Le'Veon Bell, who was more worried about his bank account, and get guys in there that just want to win. They just want to win right now. And so that could be the best thing. But, yeah, I agree with you, True, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers absolutely can win a Super Bowl. But defensively, there's a lot of question marks, and we'll get into those now. Uh, any other thoughts on Le'Veon Bell before we put this thing on the back burner? I, this this story's not dead, folks. If you think that this is going to be – it's done, once Le'Veon Bell tweets again, they'll probably say something stupid, and we'll have to talk about it. Or – when the offseason rolls around, do they transition tag him? Do they not? All that stuff. So, Le'Veon Bell, what are your final thoughts now that we know that he's not showing up this year? I don't, I don't begrudge the young man for what he's doing. I understand what he's trying to do. I think he has to be cautious in the sense that NFL owners can be vindictive. They may make an example out of him for doing this. The other thing, I think if you're going to do something, you're going to do something as controversial as this, your word should be your bond. I think it's how he did it. The perceived, whether they're fake news or not, the stops and starts, what seemed to be promises to players that he was going to come in, he wasn't. He was going to, like All of that, I think, is what rubbed a majority of fans wrong. 
had he just allowed his representation to have communications with the Pittsburgh Steelers behind the scenes, I think the perception of this would be slightly different. It'd still be bad. Fans would still be upset with his what he's deciding to do, but I don't think it would be this bad. I think in the whole thing, he comes off a bit flaky. And I think had he had to do this again, maybe he makes the same decision, but maybe he just does not have any contact with the organization and he just plays it that way. And he plays the background and just lets it play itself out. Final question for you here, Lance. If you had to guess, and this is purely speculative, if you had to guess where Le'Veon Bell plays next year, we know it's on Pittsburgh. What team do you think ponies up the money to get him? I think it's going to be the Houston Texans. Mm. I think if you put him with Deshaun Watson and Hopkins, that's that's cooking with some gas right there. Uh, that that's that's that's, that's dynamic that's running back, dynamic quarterback, dynamic wide receiver, winnable division every year. That's a lot of weapons. Yeah, no, that's true. I would I'd actually go and say I think the Jets. The Jets have a ton of salary cap space. They don't really have offensive weapons. You've got to figure Todd Bowles is going to be gone at the end of the season. They probably want to get someone in there. They want to get Sam Darnold a running game to help help him in his younger years. And Le'Veon Bell's the best free agent, probably he might be he's probably the best free agent out there this offseason. So I wouldn't be shocked. Someone say Cleveland. I'm not so sure if Cleveland under John George, he's going to do that, but that, it's Cleveland. You never know. So, all right, let's get to our stat geek section. This is where we basically find some stats about the team that we think are interesting, that we think that you, the listener, might be interested in. Lance, I know you have several. You can either read them all or read one. It doesn't matter. And then I'll go through mine. About on defense, or I talked about a stat that I wanted to illustrate when I was asked true or false, could the were Steelers win a Super Bowl without Le'Veon Bell? And I said true. And, and, and here's the stat. Well, it's it's an interesting stat because it, one half of it is good, one half of it is bad. The quarterback rating when targeting Joe Hayden and Mike Hilton is fifty nine point four. However. The quarterback rating when targeting the rest of the secondary is 122.1. But having two solid secondary guys with a pass rush that is starting to cook just might be enough with an offense that is actually crossed that Mendoza line of 30. So that's another stat to 30 points a game. And they've also past that threshold of points or, or, or plus minus of, of scoring margin or scoring differential, a point differential of 7.8, I believe it is. So the point differential, they're winning games on average by 7.8 points per game. That's what their point differential is now. And that's a great number. You couple that with the defensive number that I gave you. And this team can win a Super Bowl without Le'Veon Bell. Uh, yeah, and that, that that statistic that you read about the secondary, I'd love to know maybe even breaking it down a, one step further and saying, well, what's the split between Artie Burns 
turns in Cody Sensabaugh because we know that right. in Cody Sensabaugh, the passer rating might be significantly lower because we know of Artie Bur Burns' struggles have been very well documented. So those are interesting statistics there. I'm, I did not realize, I should have known, after throwing up 52 points in Week 10 that they'd be over 30 points. I knew they were close. And uh, yeah, th that's it's crazy to think. I think we talked about that in the preseason. I, I had a true or false that said the Steelers will average 30 points per game. And I think we both said false because, you know, new offensive coordinator, um, Artavis Bryant's not there. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Well, here they are. Over 30 points per game. That can change, but it's cooking right now. I'll go ahead and give you my stat. And this is more of a compare and contrast from 2017 to 2018. And that is something that, Lance, you say all the time. The team that converts in the red zone and converts on third down is typically the team that wins the game. So last year, in terms of red zone ranking and third down ranking, the Steelers ranked 18th in the NFL in terms of red zone conversions and third on third down conversions. Now, go fast forward to this season. They are number one. They're the number one offense as of right now, 10 weeks in. Red zone offense, they are number one, and they are still, they actually stayed the same, third and third down conversions. I can't put one specific finger on the difference between the red zone offense in 2017 and the red zone offense in 2018. I know we've talked about this off the air and you always point to running the football and I agree they're running the football more, but at the same time, I also feel that the play calling and the decision-making at the quarterback position have been remarkably better than they were last year. Roethlisberger as a whole, and not just in the red zone is not trying to force the ball to Antonio Brown over and over and over again. He is just taking what the defense is giving him. And it's just kind of, <laughs> it's kind of the same situation when Ben said that he was you know, committed to his diet and he was cutting out all these crappy carbs. Like, dude, it took you 14 years to figure this out. You know, it's like, it's taken you 14 years or I don't know, seven or eight years that, that Antonio Brown's been in the league that you can just, say, oh my gosh, they're committing three people to him. That's going to leave someone else wide open. My goodness, I know it's not. It's easier said than done. That, to me, is the biggest difference. Lance, other than running the football, what is the biggest difference to you in the success the Steelers have seen in 2018 in the red zone? I think that might be it. I mean, it might just simply be their ability to run better in the red zone. Because when, you, when you're when you a dual threat in the red zone because the field is so compressed, it just makes it really tough on defenses. If you have play action that's available to you down there, it, it's just really tough. And their ability to run it in the red zone it looks better. Somebody who's listening to the program might statistically want to look that up for us and set, ask us or, or tell us if it's better. But it feels as if they are running the ball better, that they can do both things. I mean, when you're passing the ball, three straight times from the 10 trying to score, that's difficult, very difficult. It's very difficult to score from your 10 on third down and it's third and long in a very tight, compressed area. That's very different than throwing the ball on third and three from your four. I mean, it's a much different scenario, much easier to score. Um so, yeah, I mean, kudos to them. They're playing fantastic in the red zone, and they've been absolutely red hot 
in the red zone during this winning streak. Yeah. And I guess, and it, yeah, the other thing is too, is crazy that, you know, Roethlisberger's had some rushing touchdowns. The quarterback sneak has gone back into the playbook. Uh, they've done that in third and shorts, fourth and shorts, and even on goal line situations. Um, and we've all seen the Steelers get stoned at the one yard line on multiple occasions. And um, it's good to see them mixing that up. Do you, do you have any other stats, Lance? I know you had several. I'm not sure if you were out or if you have more. Yeah, I do have one more stat. And this stat, I want to credit to Jerry Dudlac of the Pittsburgh. And he wrote the following on Twitter earlier this week. The Steelers committed 37 penalties for 361 yards in the first three games. In the last six games, they have committed 38 penalties for 354 yards. And that goes to everything we saying. If you're converting third downs, you're converting in the red zone, and you're not highly penalized, that's a deadly combination. Men, pass rush and getting guys off the field, you're going to win some football games. And that's the beautiful thing about football. Some of the elements that are needed and necessary to win consistently never change. Don't get your quarterback hit. Don't turn the football over. Get people off the field. Stay on the field. Converting third downs. Uh, Converting the red zone. Don't be penalized. I mean, it's the same things over and over and over and over again. If you do those things very well week in and week out, you're just going to win games because teams are just going to make mistakes. (laughs) You're going to win games because you consistently don't make mistakes and give them opportunities to win. If you're making teams earn it week in and week out, you're going to win a bunch of games. Absolutely. And it's going to be interesting to see how this kind of plays out here. But, you know, coming up week 11, the title of this podcast is the Steelers revenge tour continues is I know a lot of fans already have been saying, well, you know, this could be the letdown game. They beat the Ravens at a physical game. Then they go and they play on a short week. Then they get time off, and it's kind of like a bye week and yada, yada, yada. Look, if there's a team other than the New England Patriots or a division rival that's on the docket that will get their attention, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars because, my goodness, this this team, I guarantee you, if Mike Tomlin, I, I'm sure he has, would show a cut-up of those two games last last year, week five, loss, or been through five picks, then the uh, crazy 45-42 playoff loss to the Jags. I would show that, and I would get those players so jacked up to go down to Jacksonville, Duval County, as they like to say, and shut them up because they are a bunch of loud mouths. And I don't think that their record, although it's horrible, is indicative of still this team is is a threat. I don't think that the Steelers should view them as anything less than that because if the Steelers really want to put their imprint on a potential first-round buy and staying and trying to keep pace with the Kansas City Chiefs the best that they can, can't lose games like this. Cannot lose games like this. So you agree, though, Lance, that motivation should not be a factor in this in this contest? They want to put foot to ass to the Jags. <laughs> That, that's for sure. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. No doubt. We're on the same page. 
you know, once this whole Le'Veon stuff is over, they're like, this is foot the ass week. The one thing for certain, win, lose, or draw, they want to put some hits on Leonard Fournette. That's for sure. The defensive line and that defense got a circle. We're going to put hits on young man this week. He better be ready. Yeah, I feel like one of the, the biggest mouth coming from Pittsburgh, though, is no longer on the team. If you think back to those Jacksonville games, that was Mike Mitchell. He was the one that you know was jawing at Leonard Fournette before the, the Week 5 game, and that was when Fournette was running the ball, was motioning to Mitchell to come get it. It was I really don't like reliving that. Um, so we'll see. Let's do some true or false Steelers versus Jaguars here. Um, here we go. True or false, Lance. The Steelers will finish with more sacks than the Jaguars. I believe so, particularly with – so I think it's true. Particularly with the Jaguars starting center being out, I think that's going to complicate their pass protection. And right now, one of the things we failed to mention, unfortunately, about the Steelers' success is the outstanding, consistent play of that offensive line. And they're playing well in the passing game and in the running game. This offensive line is not giving up sacks. I'm a little concerned about, in Doc Way, if I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, possibly going up against Filer or Feeler. I might be pronouncing his name wrong uh, because uh, it looks like Marcus Gilbert may not play again. But I think the backup right tackle has played well in, in, in his stead. And, and so given how well that offensive line is playing, and I think one of the biggest issues with Jacksonville is that defensive line isn't playing to the level that they played in the previous season. I think the offensive line keeps being clean, and the Steelers will get more sacks than the Jags. I agree with you. If, if the, the Jags weren't missing such a key piece of their puzzle the a key cog in their center then it might be a different story but the Steelers are on a tear they're showing that last year's sack totals are no fluke um, I want to say they're leading the NFL in sacks currently heading into week 11 um, after their five against Cam Newton I can if someone could check on that in the live chat that would be awesome um, so yeah I'm going to say true the Steelers will finish with more sacks but that all comes down to stopping the running game if you don't stop the running game, Bortles will have play action. He'll do exactly what he did in the playoff game, and he'll be functional in doing so. Force third and longs, make Blake Bortles throw the ball. That's a recipe for success. All right, next one, true or false? The Steelers will hold Leonard Fournette to under 85 yards rushing. I say true. I think it'll be close, but I think they'll keep him under 85. I think they'll keep him in the 70 range. They've been playing pretty well against the run this year. I, I think the McCaffrey game, because of some of the RPO stuff and some of the window dressing that Carolina presents, and it being a short week, counted for some of the, the, the stuff that McCaffrey got. But I think that, that dealing with the RPO and some of the stuff that they saw in Carolina will help them play defense against the Jags because they like to do some of that stuff too. Some of the jet sweep stuff, some of the RPO stuff. He'll stick it in the belly, make a decision. Bortles do that stuff. So I think they'll contain Leonard Fournette and hold him under 85. So I think it's true. I'm going to say true as well, but more of I think it's going to be more based on the fact that the, the Jags are going to have to play catch-up. I think that the Steelers' offense is going to get a lead, and when they get a lead, you can't 
rely on your running game. And so they're going to abandon that. And Leonard Fournette is going to be more of a pass protector and or outlet as an option uh, in the passing game. And that'll hurt his rushing totals. I'm going to say true as well. All right, last true or false here for the Jags-Steelers matchup. James Conner, assuming that he plays, he did practice today fully, will have over 100 scrimmage yards against the Jaguars defense. True or false? True. I don't think a majority of it will come from running the football, but but I like the split at around 75 to 80 yards, rushing maybe about 50 to 60 yards in the passing game, maybe five catches, break some tackles, bust off maybe a 10-yarder, some five to six, seven-yarders that keep drives going. So I'm going to put his line of scrimmage numbers probably about at a 130, 135, so I think it's true he will have over 100 yards from the line of scrimmage. I'm going to say true as well, and I'm going to go one step further and say he's going to rush for over 100 yards because every time they commit to running the ball, he does. It's it's one of those situations where eventually I'm going to stop second-guessing the kid that he's just going to – with this offensive line, he's just he, – he's able to do it. He's able to get those tough yards. He's able to break the big runs. There's something that was a criticism of Le'Veon Bell when he was here. Um, I think absolutely that James Conner definitely goes over 100 scrimmage yards, but I'll even go a step further and say he goes over 100 yards rushing in this game as well. Any other matchups, Lance, that uh, kind of catch your attention in this game uh, before we get to our predictions? Not a particular matchup per se. It's just a concept. I, I think you're going to see a lot of zone. The Steelers play a lot of zone in general anyway. But against the Jaguars, with Bortles' ability to move in the pocket, to get outside the pocket with boot actions, and to run and extend plays, you really have to concentrate and focus your pass rush to keep him in the pocket. But you've got to play a lot of zone to keep all eyes on Bortles. And and I think the key down in this game is first down. If the Steelers can really play solid first down run defense, like you said, it's not it's not rocket science with Bortles. If you put Bortles in third and five and above, he's a terrible quarterback. He's a very inconsistent player, a terrible quarterback. So they're going to have to do that. So they're going to have to really dominate the backup center and really control Leonard Fournette between the tackles. In the passing game, Moncrief is their big play guy. Chalk is a big play guy. I think the Steelers can handle that. You'll see a lot of single high safety. You'll see a free safety in the box or a strong safety in the box, however they choose to do it. And and I think they're really going to get after Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, I, I'll definitely dive into that more tomorrow night in our preview show in terms of specific matchups, but I agree with everything you said. I think it's going to be really imperative to stop the run. This would be a game... If I were to just take a stab in the dark, I'd say that I could see the Jags coming out throwing because I think they're going to look at it and say the Steelers are going to want to stop the run. They're going to load the box, yada, yada, yada. I think that they, I wouldn't be shocked to see Blake Bortles coming out chucking it. So let's get to predictions. What are you predicting for this game? I know everyone that's watching live on YouTube and everyone that's listening around the globe is really hoping that you're pulling for those boys from Duval County because 
You're so bad at picking Steeler games. We hope you pick against them every week. <laughs> Sorry, Steeler fans. I am actually picking the Steelers uh, to win this the game. The kiss of death. I, 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 they're, they're a better football team than Jacksonville. Dare I say on both sides of the football. And given the motivation and revenge factor, I think they're going to be highly motivated. And, and I think, strangely enough, I think they're going to be really – they're going to play with a sense of freedom and a lightness that they bring to this game with this Le'Veon Bell thing finally being gone. I think they could play free as if they don't every week. But I think I think just the, having that weight off of that locker room, they can go out and pin their ears back and get after Jacksonville. And I think they're going to do that. I like the Steelers in this game. 31-17. I think it's a dominant victory where they give up some stuff late, but they really put it to Jacksonville. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I can't, we almost had the exact same score prediction. Um, I, I typically, the other opposing team's site will send an email and say, I have some questions. We answer them and I do the same. And we post those interviews, I guess you want to call it that a question and answer on our websites leading up to the game. And so the Jaguars, Big Cat Country, they sent me an email and said they said, what's your prediction? I said, I like the Steelers in this one. Um, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I actually think it might be close in the first half. In the second half, the Steelers pull away. I think it's Steelers 31, Jaguars 20 as they're down in Florida. And I do have to, I've said it a bunch of times, I just want to make sure people aren't having their blinders on. This game is not in prime time, folks. It got flexed to the 1 p.m. time slot Eastern Standard Time. And if you didn't hear, I guess I can say this, uh, there was some breaking news today. Even though CBS have protected the games against the Chargers, the Saints, and the Patriots, NBC and the NFL kind of intervened, spoke with CBS, and now their game against the Chargers was flexed to prime time. That game is going to be a late game. The Oakland Raiders game is no longer prime time. It was bumped earlier, not to one, to four o'clock in the afternoon. So there has been some schedule shifting. I don't think CBS is going to give up the Saints or the Patriots game. And the only other game that could be possibly flexed because they're not going to flex the Broncos game would be the Week 17 against the Cincinnati Bengals if that has any type of playoff implications so just some scheduling news for you there lance and i both like the steelers i don't know what to think about that it doesn't happen that often um so let's go ahead and let's i ask the faithful that watch us on youtube every week if they have any questions isaac has one he says do you think that lady on dog gets close to what he wants or do the owners get together and make an example out of him lance go ahead i think he's going to get paid Although I wouldn't be surprised if the owners make an example of him. But it only takes one. I think he's going to get paid. I think he's going to be a Houston Texan. Okay. I think, yeah. Um, everyone's trying to compare this to Colin Kaepernick. I heard it on the radio today. It's no. <laughs> no, I don't think there's any comparison at all. Uh, different players, different stature. Um, so look, we're not doing that. Another question. 
If more players start holding out like Bell, will the Steelers change how they restructure player contracts in the future prior to their rookie deals expiring to avoid a repeat of this crap? Absolutely not. They're going to conduct business as they choose to every year. They, they, <laughs> they're the rock of Gibraltar. They're not going to change the way they deal with players. You know, yeah, the Steelers do it their way. I mean, they're one of the few teams that says once the season starts, we don't, we don't negotiate during the season, and they hold true to that every year. Um, they they just do it their way, and that's can't complain, can't really argue with that. To be honest with you, let, let uh, me say something, Jeff, to that. Sure, go ahead. The Roonies and myself are from the same area in Pittsburgh. We're all Northsiders. If you know a Northsider, and if anybody's on the live chat. You know how we are. We ain't changing. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't happening. Once a Northsider makes his mind up, we're stubborn to the end. So they not changing. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And you are an example of that. Um, so let's go. We have some other questions that were already answered. So like Ron asked, do we think the Steelers have this chemistry to get to the Super Bowl? We talked about that earlier. We both said yes. Um, Thomas asked, would we transition tag Le'Veon Bell? We answered that earlier as well. We both said no. Uh, you can go back and check that out and po- listen in podcast or when the this is published. Um, Alexis asked, do you think Artie Burns will get some reps on Sunday? No. Special teams, not, not playing corner. Not after that last snap. Had he played pretty well? the reps that he played and not made that boneheaded error at the end of the Panthers game, I could say yes. But I don't, but, but you know, the Jags really aren't going to spread you out and force them to put Burns on the field. So, no, he'll get special teams reps, but I, I doubt if he plays many reps at that corner. Yeah, no, I agree. He shouldn't. Um the next question is, are there any big injuries other than Gilbert and Connor? Uh, yeah, Stefan Tewitt, uh, elbow. He hyperextended it against Carolina. Uh, Terrell Edmonds came up, I guess, and, and hit him. And a little friendly fire there, a blue on blue. So I think that it's one of those situations where he played with this injury last year. Did it impact his effectiveness? Eh, I'm not so sure. But yeah, he's dealing, he missed practice today. We'll see if he can play. On Sunday, that's a big part of the equation. Um, let's see here. Would it be sweet? Uh, do, do you think that, in a way, that this is kind of a spinoff of a question? You think, in a way, that the Steelers are, if, if they won a Super Bowl this year, would it be a little bit sweeter considering that Le'Veon Bell wasn't a part of it? No. Super Bowls are just sweet, it has nothing to do with anything or anybody. Winning another Super Bowl is just sweet. I don't know about you guys, but, man, when the Steelers won their fifth Super Bowl, I mean, I felt good for, like, three weeks. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just felt good for three weeks in a row. It, just, it was just that sweet. I, I'm not going to be thinking about Le'Veon Bell one way, shape, or form if they win a seventh Lombardi. In fact, if they win a seventh Lombardi, Nobody can say anything to me about any football team. I don't want to hear it. We're in our own class. We're in our own stratosphere. Get your rings up. That's about to be the only thing I'll say in response to any other team. 
<laughs> no, you're right. I, although there will be a part of me, just like last year, if the Steelers would have somehow won the Super Bowl, you know, the, you do it the year that Dan Rooney passed away, it kind of has a little extra motivation, I guess, and a little extra meaning. If the Steelers won the Super Bowl this year, absolutely, there would be a part of me that says, <laughs> you sucker. You could have <laughs> played this year. You would have been a Super Bowl champ, and then you hit free agency, and you fat piece of crap. I hope you enjoy it. So go eat some more donuts. That's what I would say. See, here's the funny thing, listeners. Jeff's <laughs> nickname on this show is Joy, right? And for Jeff to have that sentiment, you know the fan base hates Le'Veon Bell. Because <laughs> Jeff is one of the most optimistic dudes in the on the planet. Right, and for him to have that feeling, yeah, he's hated. I'm sure there's some moron in western Pennsylvania in some backwoods county that's gonna burn his house down because he burned a Le'Veon Bell 26 jersey. <laughs> to that guy, please listen to the podcast. Hopefully, this makes you feel better. I did see a video on our Facebook feed. Someone had a Le'Veon Bell jersey, and they almost lit themselves on fire. Good. So or something and so they're holding it those that are watching on youtube and then they light it underneath and that thing just i mean it's not a slow burn that's a very fast accelerant and it's poof, it's almost lights them on fire a part of me was like tummy that jersey cost you a hundred dollars way to go it's in stupid. fact in fact listeners if you have a Le'Veon bell gear that you don't want it gets cold back east Give that stuff away. I mean, give that stuff away to somebody that needs it. Go to a homeless shelter. Give all the Le'Veon Bell gear to a homeless shelter or something. Somebody could wear that jersey or that hoodie or that hat or whatever. Give it away. Well, then let me take a, a quick aside here, and, and I totally agree. Helping out others is priority number one. Before you make a jersey purchase, folks, please do your homework and think about what you're doing. Okay, now Le'Veon Bell after 2014, I would have said, go get yourself a number 26. And I thought that would have been a really safe purchase. I take my jerseys and who I purchase very seriously. Now, I only buy now. I've, I only have Ben Roethlisberger jerseys. Uh, I was gifted others um, like a Heinz Ward, a Troy Polamalu. Don't wear them. Okay, they stay in the closet. I only wear number seven. He's been my guy since he was drafted no four. But... The, the end is nearing for him. And so I'm thinking about, okay, what am I going to do afterwards? Now, the, the, I'll tell you who I want to buy next, and that's number 30. All right? I love James Conner. I love watching that guy play. This guy runs the football. I, he plays the, the way I want to see the Steelers play. And we talked about this on other shows. Like I, He just plays hard. He, he runs me kind of like Heinz Ward. He's not that flashy. Dude. He just plays hard. But I got to ask myself a lot of questions. You, know, you got to look at the salary. You, know, you got to look at, is he going to be there for the long term? And this is an investment, folks, okay? Because you don't want to get stuck with a Kendrell Bell jersey like I did when I was a kid, when he was the defensive rookie of the year. And I told my parents, I want number 97. Give me that 97 jersey. And I still have that Kendrell Bell jersey, that Reebok replica jersey. And it just sits in my closet. I do nothing with it. Be smart. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know. That's just me. I, I'm, I'm very see, see. Jeff made this a lot harder than it has to no, be. No, it's not. It's different. Now, 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 all like I do have a, a, a Antonio Brown 
that was gifted to me. So all of the current players that I have, those jerseys were gifted to me. You have that color rush. AD. Yeah, I got the color rush to the AB by the legends. That way, it's easy. It always go get a Lambert, go get a Green, go get a Mike Wagner, uh, go get a Jack Ham. Well, you, you don't know, have to go back to the seventies. I mean, you could get a Jerome Bettis. That's always you can get a Bettis. Actually, exactly. You could, you could get hey, you could get Ben Roethlisberger. Will always be popular. And now, I guarantee you can get a Ryan Shazier jersey and be set for life. Yes, get a Shazier. So, so get get legendary guys jerseys. Troy Polamalu. Troy Polamalu would be another one. Exactly. I got a bunch of Troy Polamalu. I probably got like five or six of them. So. You won't you won't get in trouble if you get legendary guys. Don't go, don't go get Cody Sensabaugh. Please. Someone said on the live chat. So you're saying I need to reconsider buying an Artie Burns jersey? <laughs> Maybe. Yes. But, 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 but five and two does equal seven. So maybe Artie Burns is really Ben Roethlisberger. Well, hey, Burns, here's the good Burns question. <laughs> here's the good question. What do we were talking about like the hierarchy of jerseys, you know, and players of that are the more current era and do what what is their longevity? So like Troy Polamalu is one of those Heath Miller, as someone just brought up, you can always wear a Heath Miller jersey be fine. What about James Harrison? The way that he left, did that tarnish it? Can you not rock ninety two around? Do you have to wait a few years? What's your thoughts on that? I think you gotta wait a few years, but he showed <laughs> he, he showed his ass on the way out. I, I think you got to wait a few years. He, he's a legendary stealer, but it was just a bad divorce. I, I'll tell you a guy that I have that I rock every once in a while. I got a LeVon Kirkland. 99. Yes. Something like that. Hitman hit uh, hit Earl Holmes. I mean, if you, yeah. you, you, know, you bust out one of those or Barry Foster, I mean, you can't go wrong with those. Hey, you break out uh, Chad Brown before he left for Seattle. He was a monster too. Yeah, I don't. Well, he left for Seattle, so you might not get a chair, bro. So, do people still wear Carnell Lake jerseys? What about Rod Woodson? Rod I have Woodson a Woodson. Left. I have. I have a Woodson. He left. He was inducted as a Steeler, so that that should give some points. But he played for the Ravens and the Raiders. I mean, well, man, still got to eat, man. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't begrudge him that, but he's a you Steeler. begrudge Chad Brown for going to Seattle yet Rod Woodson because you have his jersey. Well, well, Chad was a well, Chad was a bum after he left the Steelers. So, well, he's a system guy. He played yeah. well on that system. He was a bum. He what did he collect? Rats or what? animals or something? What did he collect? Did he collect rodents snakes, or something? Snakes or something? Snakes maybe? or something? Yeah, I don't know. He's a weird guy. You probably have a Chad Scott jersey too, or Dwayne Washington. <laughs> That's Artie Burns 1.0. <laughs> <laughs> the, original, the original, the dial-up version of Marty Burns. Washington. Arthur yeah. Burns. <laughs> Burns with burger. That's going to be five and two. Yeah, so, okay, well, um, we kind of got off on a tangent there, but do you have a, do you have a WTF? Because I do have something I want to say before we call it a, a show. It's all yours, Jeff. For me, it's about the NFL and their obsession with taking the game across the border in any way, shape, or form. And so it's a whole fiasco that's gone down in Mexico City. It was supposed to be Rams and Chiefs. Primetime, probably the biggest game of the year to date. 
two nine and one teams on Monday Night Football primetime. And what do they do? The field is unplayable. Now, I have multiple feelings. I've, I've mixed emotions about this because, number one, I always think to myself, in Ben Roethlisberger's, ben Roethlisberger's rookie year, they played a game in Miami during a hurricane. Were those ideal football conditions? No. Um, I think about another Miami Dolphins-Pittsburgh Monday night game that ended 3 to nothing because they put sod over top of their synthetic mixed grass surface, and it was nothing but a mud pit. Was that ideal? No. I think about all the other games, how Oakland plays on a stadium that is partially a baseball field for the first month of the, of the year. Is that ideal to play on dirt? No. I think back in Three Rivers era, when that field, and you could talk about Cincinnati, you could talk about the Vet in Philly, where they were basically playing on concrete with some carpet over top, and you're saying, is that ideal? No. The National Football League, they want to put out this image that they care about the players. They don't care about the players. They care about money. Don't be fooled by them saying it's the field conditions, bull crap. The NFL could have said, put down new sod and we'd be good. They didn't want the risk of having a game that would have been on prime time, that would have been a marquee matchup, getting any way, shape, or form criticized, and the product, of the, the brand, the shield have been damaged. I just thought it was a big cop-out by the National Football League. I'm not saying I disagree with the decision. Mexico City's got a realize the standard in terms of the field conditions but ultimately don't nfl don't say it's the field conditions because my goodness i just rattled off four different games and i could keep going about field conditions that were just god awful lance what were your thoughts on that since you live out there on the west coast hey man that field looked like my daughter's soccer field from last week horrible that, that was that, that was terrible but i agree with you i agree with your sentiment it's all about the cash they don't care about players Roger Goodell said, uh, you know, the NFL is about as dangerous as falling off your couch. So that tells you everything. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that was my WTF. I just had one to say, wanted to say that. And I do have to tell all the listeners out there, if you're listening uh, in podcast form, check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search BTSE Steelers Radio. Uh, subscribe, like. Uh, we, we appreciate the support. If you're listening on or watching on YouTube, follow us on all our podcast platforms at Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitch, Art19, all of those. If you just type in Steelers, you're going to find us. So make sure you check out all of it. Uh, the upcoming show tomorrow night, myself and Brian Anthony Davis will give you the Steelers preview. That's where we break down the upcoming Jaguars game a little bit more in depth. And then Lance and I will be back on Sunday for the Steelers postgame, probably our most popular show. Lance, any final parting words before we call it an evening? Go Steelers. Couldn't have said it better myself. We'll see you next time. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs> <laughs>